0: Welcome everyone to Bread of Life, a radio ministry of the International Mission Church Partnership Evangelism and its Associate Fellowship, the Bread of Life in Boise, Idaho. I'm Joel Van Hoogen, the Director of CPE and your Bible teacher. If you wish to learn more about our work in multiple countries around the world, go to traincpe.org. And to learn about our local fellowship here in Boise, Idaho, go to breadoflifeboise.org. I have personally carried out ministries in over 40 countries, and the brother who started the ministry with me has more than doubled that number and worked in over 90 countries. Before we arrive or when arriving, we are often called upon to introduce ourselves to the pastors and churches we'll be working among. What should we tell them? What is the most important thing for them to know as foundational to our ministry and the reason we're with them? Romans 1 verse 1 records Paul's self-introduction to the church in Rome, It gives us a great model to follow if we would serve Christ's body and Christ's gospel. Here in this text, Paul is introducing himself, and he's in essence telling us what is foundational to his life and his influence, that influence that is continuing to reverberate today. And an application for ourselves is this, that we should find something in this that might be foundational for our lives as well, particularly if we want our lives to reverberate with influence in the world in which we live. So we're going to look at verse 1 just a little bit briefly at verse 5. But verse 1 is where Paul introduces himself. He lays before us an understanding of his own life that informs the way that he writes and the way that he lives and the impact that he had. And here's the first thing Paul says. Paul says, Paul, a servant Of Christ Jesus the word servant there is doulos and it basically is better read a slave of Christ Jesus here he's writing to the church in Rome and the first thing he says I want you to know is I'm a slave of Jesus Christ and you have to recall that the primary audience Paul is writing are the Gentiles in Rome and the Romans are not unfamiliar with slaves The whole economic system of the Roman Empire is basically generated and it goes forward and it's sustained by the enslavement of those individuals that they've conquered. Every Roman town had a slave market and the more prosperous you were, the more slaves you possessed. When Paul makes this statement, he's making a statement, he's pronouncing a title upon himself that to some extent sparked a sense of abhorrence in those he's writing to. It's not anything that anyone aspired to be in life was to be a slave, particularly within the Roman world. They understood this. Paul is declaring to himself, they know his reputation. They know that he has a reputation of a leader within the church by then. They know what he's done and how he's impacted other people's lives. It's probably likely by this time that even some of Paul's family members are in Rome and people that Paul has ministered to and touched have gone back to Rome. And so there are a few people that know Paul and have reported about Paul's position and, his, and the power of his message and teaching. But Paul wants them to know above everything else as he comes among them that he, he comes among them as one who counts himself as a slave. Of Christ Jesus what Paul is doing here is first of all he's humbling himself he's laying himself out before the individuals Ephesians chapter 3 verse 8 Paul in this humble state of mind writes to the people in Ephesus and tells them that he is the least of all the saints he's the least of all the followers of Jesus Christ he never forgot he never forgot the pit from which God dug him out and Jesus Christ reached to him at the foundation of this man's greatness was a humility that remembered the point from which he was redeemed paul considers himself as one who is purchased out of bondage and slavery to sin and to satan and to this world by christ with christ's own blood to be christ's own slave and that's how he approaches individuals that's how he comes to them interestingly enough both paul and peter oftentimes identify Christians themselves as slaves of Jesus Christ. So in a sense, Paul is saying, I'm just, I'm like you. I'm just somebody who's been redeemed out of the bondage of sin, to be bound to Christ. The other thing that Paul is doing is he's making it very clear from the onset that he has no goal, he's wanting to come to these people, but that he has no goal to possess others in his ministry. He's not working from a point of selfish ambition. He's not a man who holds possession of anyone or anything. Slaves didn't do that. He's a man who is wholly possessed of Christ Jesus. His time, his intellect, his body, everything that he has, everything that he is, everything that he acquires belongs to the Lord Jesus. Listen, if Paul identifies himself in this kind of lowly name as a slave and he's not serious about it, he's making some kind of abhorrent joke. It's some kind of abhorrent mockery. If Paul also at the same time is really not a slave of the Lord Jesus, but he's coming into the setting and he's using this, he's foisting this idea that he's being a servant in order to gain things for himself, that he's not simply an abhorrent joke. He's actually doing something that's quite evil He's coming among them, and he's trying to present himself as this one who's coming as this lowly slave, but then he's going to exercise power and authority over people in order to gain them and rule them and rule over their lives. But if he is truly a slave bound to the Lord Jesus Christ, then he's expressing something that is beautiful. He's expressing a blessed position that makes him free from self and selfish ambition, and sin, and worldly occupations, and worldly designs, and he's at the same time setting himself fully under the rule of the Lord Jesus Christ, and he's coming among them simply to express that rule of Jesus over his life. He's not coming to foist himself or to demand or to require anything of them for his own sake. At the same time, by saying this, Paul is also establishing a unique point of authority for those that he's speaking to, He isn't writing of his own accord, he's telling them. I'm not coming to you as an extension of my own pursuit of power. I'm coming as one who is extending to you my ownership to the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm coming to you bound to act according to the will of my master. Paul is establishing that he is not possessing, in a sense, his own personal prerogatives in writing to them or wanting to come and visit with them. He does everything that he does under the command of his owner. He's owned. His actions are owned and directed. He's moving forward in submission to his master. He's just a humble slave answering the directives of the king who owns him. And interestingly enough, that's potent. That's powerful. He's not representing himself. He's representing somebody else. And that sways a certain level of authority that we'll see in just a moment. I think another thing we see here that Paul is doing is he's expressing his love for the Lord Jesus. A Jew would know, and there were Jews in the church in Rome at that time. They would know that there was a particular ritual for slaves in the Old Testament that they could undergo. The slave in the Jewish world in the Old Testament, oftentimes they indentured themselves for various reasons, and they had a right to earn their freedom after six years of labor. But having labored for a master for six years, even though they earned their freedom, they, they may come to love their master to such an extent that they didn't want to be free from him. And so they would engage in a ritual in which their ear was put up against a doorpost, and their ear was bore through with an awl, and they received a mark of enslavement, loving enslavement to their master, and expression they didn't want to be free from him. They delighted in the governance and rule of that master Paul is, in a sense, saying, I'm a love slave of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's not saying this in some servile way. This statement, a slave of Christ Jesus, is a declaration of, for Paul of great comfort and great encouragement and great love. In Galatians, Paul says that he bears in his body the brand marks of Christ. Now, how did he get them? Well, he was persecuted, he was beaten, and he was flogged, and he endured all kinds of bodily harm because of his service of Jesus Christ but as the lashes fell upon them and as the scars built up upon his back it was as if he said no these are the marks that I've received voluntarily to show people that I love Jesus and I want to serve him and I'm bound to him and I'm marked with a loving lasting servanthood to the Lord Jesus. Paul's saying he's owned in humility he's owned beyond possessing others he's owned with an authority that comes from his master and he's owned by his own deep love for the Lord who's rescued him and delivered him. Here's an application for ourselves. If you've been born again, if you count yourself one who's been redeemed by the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus for your sins, then you've been bought with a price. That's actually what Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 19 and 20, Paul writes to the church in Corinth and says, you are not your own. You were bought with a price, so glorify God in your body. We're to live in that way. To claim salvation and membership as the redeemed people of God and then to live a life full of self-seeking, to possess things for yourself, for your own sake, is to do something that puts you in a position, if you profess to be redeemed of Jesus Christ, of either being hypocritical or possibly even evil. I'm saved, I'm a Christian, and then you go and you use that declaration in order to live for your own sake and your own honor and your own praise and for manipulating your way and foisting your influence over people to get things from them. Peter writes about this in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 16. Listen to this instruction. It fits here. He says, live as people who are free. That means you've been redeemed from your bondage and slavery to sin. Not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants, do, loss, servants, slaves of God. He sets you free, but in that wonderful grace in which you've been purchased by the blood of Jesus Christ, our life turns back into a a loving bondage to the one who's redeemed us. And we don't live in this life using our freedom in order to manipulate and get our own way, but now we live and surrender to him to do his will, which is to bless and to bring his good news to others. Here's another thing that Paul says next. We'll look at this. Paul says, called to be an apostle. A slave of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle. And here, Paul recognizes that he is called to be a sent one. That's the, what the word apostle means. He's not only a slave, but he's a sent one. He's one who's been sent out by God. And consistent with this idea of being an apostle or a sent one is our idea of a pioneering missionary who goes to some far reaches of the earth to establish Christ's message and Christ's church in some untouched part of the world. And Paul, in this case, is declaring this to be true of himself. He's been led by God and called by God to be sent out in this way. Of course, as we've mentioned already, and this is something we'll look at a little bit more fully, Paul is identifying himself here in the ranks of the 12 apostles. The authority that was placed upon them as the founders of the church also rests upon him. And Paul is saying that God clearly has worked and moved to generate this calling and this directing and this positioning of my life By his own sovereign hand. It's not something that he chose to do. It was imposed upon him by God's own calling. It's not merely a vocation that interested him. You know what I think I'll be? I'll be an apostle. It doesn't work that way. God had to call him. God had to direct him. As a result of being under that calling of God... Paul has an obligation to express his leadership, even to the church in Rome, and that's part of what he's doing here. He's establishing the fact that he has an obligation and a duty to provide leadership and instruction for them. He's to lead them, he's to give them direction, he's to actually go and inspect the life and health of that church, he's to instruct them and teach them, and he's not being presumptuous here of ministry, he's being obedient to his calling. I would just say here that there's nothing wrong with exercising the authority that God places upon you as his representative. Paul is not hoping to arrive at Rome in order to take a poll to find out what the attitudes are the church residing there so he could find out what kind of input they would receive from him. He's not claiming he's so open. He just wants to find out where the wind is blowing their lives so they can breathe into the sail of his life so he can tell them the things that they'd like to hear. That's not what he's doing. This has been the Bread of Life, a ministry of church partnership, evangelism, and the Bread of Life Fellowship in Boise, Idaho. We are at work to take this gospel to the ends of the earth, and we need your prayers and your support. To learn more, go to traincpe.org or breadoflifeboise.org. Until the next time, may God bless you.